now, now am I working? Now, now I'm working. Well, thank you. It's good to, good to be with you. I was here this morning. Thank you. Hey, y'all know hey? Y'all know y'all? <laughs> you know y'all. Yeah, great. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. It's good to be with you this evening. It's a, it's a joy to be back here at your church and to be back in Australia. And uh, whenever, whenever I come down here, I, I kind of talk it up a little bit that I'm, I'm coming to Australia because everybody in America wants to come to Australia, right? Everybody wants to come to Australia. I was talking to my neighbor uh, before I came up down, and she said, so you're, you're Stelise, my wife's name is Stelise. She said, so Stelise says you're going somewhere. Yeah, I said, yeah, I'm going somewhere. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. And she said, oh, Australia. She said, of all the places in the world, that's my favorite. Her dad works with Delta, so she gets to fly free. So anyway, good to be with you. Uh, good to be with this church. I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm 65. I'll be 65 next month, so I'm getting to be an old man. In fact, I was sitting out on, I'm staying with the Barclays, and I was sitting out on their, their deck and uh, just kind of looking at the birds. And I looked down, and I saw these hands, and I thought, Who's, whose hands are those? Those are, those? those are my grandfather's hands. And I realized, man, no, those are my hands. That's my arms, and uh, those are my hands right there. So, uh, But I told my wife, I said, she said, where would you like to live when you retire? Well, I'm not thinking about retirement anytime too soon, but she said, where, where would you like to live? I said, well... Probably if I had my, my druthers, as my mother used to say, I had my druthers, I'd probably move so that I could be a part of uh, Eltham Church. I'd like to grow old and die there <laughs> with those people. So, so it's good. So, hey, listen, if I fall over dead while I'm preaching, I'm, I will have, I will have uh, you know, done the thing. I got a buddy. I got a buddy who three minutes into his sermon, somebody fell over dead and... Uh, he said he didn't know quite what to make of it. He said, uh, you know, was it the preaching or what was it? So hopefully. Well, tonight, uh, I won't talk for a long time, but I want to talk about living like you're dying. You ever heard that country song? Uh, I hope someday you have the chance to live like you're dying. You, you may not have. It's a guy, there's a country singer named Tim McGraw in America, and he's got this country song, Live Like You Were Dying. And... Uh, it's about a man who was, who was dying. And the, the first part of the song says, I was, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me when a, a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent the rest of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about sweet memories, talking about sweet time. And I asked him, I said, man, what did you do? When that happened to you, what did you do? And he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And I hope someday you'll also have the chance to live like you were dying. So tonight I want to talk about living like you were dying. I have a, a, a good friend named Mark, and uh, Mark has cancer. And Mark's had cancer for 
oh, going on a couple of years. And when I, when, I, when I first was invited to come down here, quite honestly, I thought, oh, I don't know. Uh, what if Mark dies while I'm gone? And I thought, well, surely, I mean, I'm gone for 12 days. Mark's, Mark's not going to die in those 12 days. <laughs> Last Saturday, I got a text from his wife, and uh, she said, Chip, uh, you better come over. Uh, Mark, Mark's dying. So when I left, right before I left, my wife and I went over to their house, and he's uh, just a dear guy, just a, a dear guy. He's the kind of guy. He's had cancer, like, for two years, and he knows he's dying, and I, and I call him up, and I'll, I'll call him up, and I say, and this was, I mean, he went downhill really fast, but I'd call him up. I'd say, Mark, how you doing, buddy? And he'd say, oh, Chip, man. Now, this guy's dying, right? He's got cancer here. He's got cancer full. And and I said, how you doing today, Mark? And he'd say, oh, brother, I'm living such a blessed life. I'm living such a blessed life. What's so blessed about it, Mark? He said, brother, I have no responsibilities right now, and I'm going home. He said, I'm going home. And he said, I'm living a blessed life, Mark's. 58, I believe. But I saw him the day before I left, before I came here, and uh, he was in the bed. And when I walked in, he said, hey, brother, you're back. And I said, no, I hadn't left yet. He said, I thought you'd already gone. I said, no, I'm, I'm going tomorrow. He said, well, you sure have been prayed through for uh, 12 days now. And I said, well, keep going, man. Keep going, man. So live like you are dying. Somehow this is not working. What am I supposed to be pressing to get to the next slide? Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. Which one? Those two? Okay. Very good. Do you know about Mr. Eternity? You, of course you know Mr. Eternity. What a what an incredible guy. For the, who who has not heard of Mr. Eternity? Everybody know Mr. Eternity? Mr. Eternity, this was a, and you'll have to help me because I don't quite remember his background, but he, he came from a pretty rough background, right? He was uh, quite a lost man. And uh, from my understanding, he became a Christian and uh, he was rather uneducated and he didn't know if he could do anything for God, but he could write one word. And, and as I understand it, tell me if I'm wrong, as I understand it, he didn't write very well either. But he could write one word, eternity. And that's how he wrote it. Eternity. And he went all over Sydney, if I, if I think correctly. And he would write eternity on, on, on the side of walls and on streets. And nobody ever knew who did it until one night he was writing eternity and somebody, somebody saw him. But he would write eternity. Because when he came to Christ, the reality of eternity was so heavy on him that that was his ministry for the rest of his life, to write the word eternity. Well, Jeff, can you come up here just a minute? Mr. Barclay? Jeff? You know, can I tell him, Ron? When I pulled this out, 
Ron looked at this and said, what are you going to do with that rope? Stand up and tell him. <laughs> tell him. Tell him just real quickly here. I've got a um, soccer tape, which I bought out about eight years ago at church, and I was going to bring it for the, for the worship service side of the service and stretch it out and basically point out the, the one inch on this 60-metre, oh, it's a very long tape, um, just to talk about the scope of this life in the scope of eternity. And then Chip brought this out. <laughs> I forgot mine, so. Jeff, would you do... Oh, yes. Okay. Please help. I would like for you to take that, unwrap it, go as far as you can through the back, out the door. The fact that Bron was going to do this as well just confirms that, to me, I think God's got a word here tonight for us. You see this, this rope? This little part right here, the little black tape part, this is your life. This is your life. And this rope that's going way, 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 way out the door is one millisecond in eternity. And throughout eternity, the millisecond here, this your life. It's a dash. It's just a little hyphen. Time. Time. Now some of you who aren't old like I am, you may think, oh, I've got forever time. I've got forever time. But you know what? Don't. What is your life? You are what? A mist. Our life is a mist. Thank you. Thank you. Our life is a mist. A vapor. That appears for a little while. And vanishes. That's life. My friend Mark, he knows that he's only got days, just days. At one point in his life, he had his whole life in front of him. And now, Mark is right And then his life on this earth will be over. Now, of course, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, that's good news. That's good news. Because if, if you know Christ as your Savior, you will never, ever, ever, ever die. I was talking to my, my 18-year-old grandson about that. And he said, Granddaddy, I... I, I I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk to me about that. I said, well, why, Nicholas? He said, because I, I can't handle that. I can't sort that out in my mind. That He said, I know I'm never going to die, 
But he said, can you imagine, granddaddy, can you understand what, what it's like that you'll never die? Never. There's no end to it. It doesn't stop. It'll be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. If you know Christ is your Savior, you're going to be in eternity that long. It'll never... When, But this life will. And what you do in that little dash will impact your eternity forever and ever and ever. And I don't just mean if you accept Christ and go to heaven. I'm talking about the way you live for Jesus here will impact your eternity with fruits and crowns and whatever happens after we die when the Lord gives us our rewards. What are you living for? Any of you ever heard of Francis Chan? Francis Chan? He wrote the book Crazy Love, right? Francis Chan, he made $2 million on that book. Did you know that? $2 million on, on a book, Crazy Love. And when he found out he was making $2 million, he told his wife, he said, you know what? I can't touch that money. We can't, we can't touch that money. So he gave $2 million away. And he said, uh, I'm not going to live my life trying to figure out how I'm going to spend my $2 million. And there's nothing wrong with having $2 million. That's not the point. If you've got $2 million and God's giving it to you, wonderful. If you can handle it, wonderful. I've got, I've got a good friend who's probably got close to a billion dollars, and he just loves Jesus more than most people I know. So the money's not the issue. But the money, the issue is, are we doing what God wants us to do with this? Whatever it is whatever it is, because you are a nest, and you'll be gone. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, judgment. See the little baby in white? That's my dad. He was older than that when he had me. That's my dad. He's been in heaven for 45 years. That's outrageous. That little baby. That little baby there is my wife. She looks different now. She's 64 years old. And the lady holding her is her grandmother, and she died 30 years ago. That little baby is now 64 years old. Why? That's my best friend. Some of you have heard me tell about it. He, he died. He was killed in an automobile accident. Three years ago this month, every October, his, his name's Dan. And Dan and I were, Dan and I were, were uh, roommates in university, best friends. He and I got to know each other uh, as non-Christians, uh, acting like non-Christians. 
and then I became a Christian. Fell deeply in love with Jesus. Went back and told Dan about Jesus. And he said, well, you stay on your side of the room and I'll stay on mine and everything should be fine. And two weeks later, I asked him, I said, Dan, you thought any more about this Jesus? And uh, he said, I have. He said, uh, on my way back to university tonight, been at home. He said, on my way back, he said, I asked Jesus if, if he would save me and be my, be my Lord. So Dan and I grew, and we were just best friends for 45 years. And uh, every October, he and I would uh, we'd go fishing together. And uh, in fact, it'll be his birthday tomorrow. And uh, we were always together, almost always together every year on his birthday. And we were fishing together. And uh, three days later, I got a call from his son saying, Chip, dad was just killed in a wreck. A guy high on synthetic marijuana flipped his car, landed on top of Dan's convertible, killed him instantly. His last words to me, his very last words to me that I got from him was uh, we were traveling back home. We had gone down to the coast to fish, and he was going to his home. I was going to mine. And his last words to me were, Brother, let me know when you're safely home. And my last words to him were, Brother, one day we'll both be safely home. Something like that. And three days later, he was safely home. We used to talk about... uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff, but uh, we would just talk about living for Jesus. And you know, his big thing was vine branch. Vine branch. We talked about vine branch. So, been in heaven now for three years. A good looking man, mustache is me. And those are my two daughters who are now 39 and 40. Outrageous, isn't it? For those of you with kids, your kids are grown. You, man, you're going to be old like me before you know it. Don't shake your head. No, you're supposed to say, no, you're not old. (laughs) Remember Y2K? 18 years ago. you believe that? How fast that went? There's Mr. Eternity there on this side. That's Sydney Harbor. Beautiful. Remember that? We probably remember it maybe a little more than you do because it happened on American soil, but the, uh, the bombings of the world, the uh, planes running into the World Trade Center. That was 17 years ago. 17 years have gone by since then. That's a picture of my first car. 1967 Mustang. It's a 50-year-old car now. you believe that? 50-year-old car. Man, that was my first ride. That's going to be my last ride. <laughs> yeah, I won't be driving that one. You notice there's no U-Haul behind it. Not taking anything with you. Huh. 
Psalm 39, 4 and 5. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Time. This is your life. This is a millisecond in eternity. How are you investing that? How are you investing that? My father-in-law one time told me, he said, Chip, when are you going to realize you're an absolute failure in life? And go out and get yourself a job in a bank or sales. Nothing wrong with the bank. Nothing wrong with sales. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's doing what Jesus wants you to do. But my father-in-law told me, he said, you are wasting your life not trying to do everything you can do to get the most out of this life you can get. Smart people live it up in life. Smart people invest everything they can because you're going to die soon. You invest everything you can while you can. Get what you can while you can and can what you get. And if you don't, you're a fool. My father-in-law is now dead. He invested here. How are you invested? Just to say it, as my father-in-law got older, he got wiser and uh, began to invest his life more. But that's life. A mere hand breath. Breath. One of my favorite quotes by Thomas Akempis. Blessed is the man who keeps the hour of his death always in mind and daily prepares himself. I asked a guy one time, I said, you think about death much? He said, never. I've never in my whole life thought about my death. He said, too morbid. I wouldn't think about that. Blessed is the man who keeps the hour's death always in mind. Daily prepares himself to die. Again, to die. When I die, <laughs> just going to be with Jesus, right? Just going to be with Jesus. I've had the great privilege of watching several godly men die, take their last breaths. And one of them named Brock, a man that uh, I was quite close to, man, he invested his little dash for Jesus. Oh, he invested it for Jesus. And I asked, I, I was with Brock every day. I visit him every day. And I asked God, I said, God, would you, would you give me the gift and let me be with him when he actually passes into heaven? 
And I got a call one day from uh, his daughter and said, Chip, you better come over. I think, I think daddy's gone. And I went over there and, and uh, as Brock was dying, we were singing a hymn. And he was trying to sing with us. I remember one time he was so weak when I went over there. I'd, every day I'd go over there, he'd want me to read the 23rd Psalm and uh, pray. And one day I went over there and he was so sick and so out of it, he couldn't even talk. And I said, hey, Brock, this is, this, I'm, this is Chip, I'm here. And I know what you want me to do. You want me to read the 23rd Psalm and pray. And so I read the 23rd Psalm and I got to a point, I thought, maybe if it's me, maybe I wonder if I'd be saying, read Psalm 22, you know, where it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But not Brock, not Brock. And after I prayed with him, I, I heard him. He was lying in the bed, and he, he, he said, and I, and I knelt down. I said, Brock, what'd you say, buddy? I, I couldn't hear you. What, what'd you say? And he said, and I got right down at his mouth, and I said, Brock, what do you need? I, I, I didn't hear it. Brock, what do you need? What, what, did, what did you say? And he said, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, And as he died, as he took his last breath, I had the privilege of being in there with him and with his wife and his children. And when he took his last breath, he took a very small step to eternity. He was ready. Coming soon. You know this word? Taphophilia. You probably don't use it every day. If you do, you're weird. <laughs> it's an excessive interest in graves and seminaries. Now, I don't have an excessive interest in graves and cemeteries, but I love to go to the coast, and I love to go to the mountains because it helps me sort out my brain. But if I can't go to the coast or the mountains, I'll go to cemeteries. Any of you do that? Any, anybody else a little bit strange like me? Yeah. Go to cemeteries. It put, yeah, it puts things in perspective. You know, you walk, you walk around and you, you read the epitaphs on the tombstones and just, you know, see, you know, one of them, I told you I was sick. And, or, <laughs> uh, I, I read one that said, uh, where you are, I once was. Where I am, you soon will be. And somebody put a note by, depends on where you are. <laughs> because I'm going to be in heaven. But I, I, I read, I go to, I walk around cemeteries and I look at it. And one day I realized that, you know, you got your two dates here and then you got that little, that's the dash. Born, died, dash, twain. That's life. That's the dash. 
Life is the dash between the birth date and the passed away date. How are you living your dash? Are you living it for the dash? Well, I just want to have fun. That's what my granddaughter told me, 14 years old. Well, granddaddy, I just want to have fun. I'm 14. I just want to have fun. It's not about having fun, sweetheart. It's about living for Jesus. If you live for Jesus, you're going to have lots of joy. But dash. My dad died when he was 49 years old. I was 19. He had cancer. And I was not a Christian yet. But I remember waking up one night. It was around Christmas, and I came home from university to be home for Christmas. And, and I woke up, and I heard my dad. He was moaning and groaning, and I went in the room, and my dad was a buff guy. I mean, he was big and muscular and like me. And he just... But he was sitting on the edge of the bed, rocking back and forth, sweat pouring off his face. And I said, Daddy, you know you're going to die, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, you afraid? He said, no. So you think you're going to heaven, don't you? He says, sure as I'm sitting on this bed, I'm going to heaven. Christmas ended. I went back to university. Got a phone call from my, my mother on uh, February the 11th. And she said, Chip, you better come home. Uh, we just put your dad back in the hospital. He just needs some oxygen. I think he's going to be okay. But you, you might want to come home next weekend. So I told some of my buddies, and they said, you better go home. Your dad went to the hospital. Your dad's very ill. You better go home. So I went home, and uh, that was Sunday evening. The next morning, Monday morning, I got up about 5 a.m., went to the hospital. My mother had spent the night there all night with him. I went in the room. I said, Mother, why don't you just go home, take a nap, uh, take a shower, get something to eat. I'll sit here with Dad till you get back. And she said, okay. So she left, and soon after she left, uh, one of the nurse's aides came in and lifted my dad up. He was lying down, kind of lifted him up to start kind of wash his back off a little bit. And when, she, when he did, she did, he started to die. The lady looked at me and she said, go get the doctor. So I, I ran down the hall, went to the nurse's station. I said, my dad's dying, my dad's dying, come down here. So she ran down and the doctor ran down. They burst into the room. I burst into the room. My dad's in the bed, dying. Totally, absolutely, fully conscious. Knew exactly what was going on. He knew he was taking his last breaths on planet Earth. And as the doctor and the nurse were over him doing what they do, and my dad's taking his last breaths like this, and I'm standing over here. He's taking his last breath, and he turned his head, and he looked straight at me. And we locked eyes. And he was, and I was just locked in. And then he turned his head back to the ceiling. And within a minute, he was, huh? he died. Fully conscious. Fully aware he was taking his last breaths. And I have asked myself probably a thousand times, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? 
fully conscious, fully aware, knowing this is it. It is over and out. Adios. Bye-bye. We're gone. I'm out. Fully aware, fully conscious. What was he thinking? And then I've asked myself probably a thousand times, if I have that same opportunity, what will I be thinking? If I'm fully conscious and aware, and I know, I know, and I know, I know that I'm right here and this is it, what am I going to be thinking? Will I be thinking, dear God, oh God, please, just if you will give me just two more weeks, God, give me two more weeks and I'll go for broke for these two weeks. God, if you give me just one more week, Lord, I will believe I'll, whatever you want. God, just get, or will I say, Father, it's all grace, but God, by your grace, I was faithful. I'm ready to go. I finished the race. I stayed the course. God, I kept the faith. What are you going to be thinking? Now is the time. Now is the time to determine what we'll be thinking then, right? Matthew Henry said it ought to be the business of every day to prepare for our last day. And again, when I talk about our last day, I'm talking about last day on earth, right? We're not talking about, oh, we're going to die, and that's going to be it, and there's no more. <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, man, I mean, we're going to die. This body's going to die. But that's the beginning of eternity. That's not the beginning of eternity. We're already living in eternity. But that's the beginning of life in the spirit realm and in heaven. And it's coming soon. Even if you're young, it's coming soon. It ought to be the business of every day to prepare for our last day. John 9, 4, this is the verse that was when I got my dad's Bible that he had marked. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day. The night comes when no man can work. Are you living for are you living like you're dying are you living like you're dying Are you living this for this that will never, ever 
ever end. And what we do here affects this. Where you're investing. Are you living like you're dying? Wise men and women do. Psalm 90 verse 12. Oldest psalm in the Old Testament. Psalm of Moses. You know Moses wrote a psalm. You knew that. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I have nothing further to say. Can you play the song now, please? How do I turn this off? When it's all been said and done There is just one thing Unfortunately, it's not going to play the song. I wish it would. But, but we'll just, let me just go through this. I'll read you the words to the song if I can do that. When it's, can I change it with this? Okay. When it's all been said, when it's all been said and done, it's not changing. Oh, when it's all been said and done, there's just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done, all my treasures will mean nothing. Only what I've done for love's reward will stand the test of time. Lord, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness and find purest gold in miry clay, making sinners into saints. I will always sing your praise here on earth and ever after, for you've shown me heaven's my true home when it's all been said and done. You're my life when life is gone. This is Bonnie Witherall. Some of you may know her. Some of you been in OM, you know her. This young woman, well, it keeps going. 
Bonnie Witherall was a missionary who died for Jesus. When it's all been said and done, there's just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? Lord, I'll live my life for you. When it's all been said and done, your life, what will have really mattered? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God because Jesus is everything. Let's pray. Father, would you enable us to live our lives realizing that we live in the dash, live in the hyphen. Lord, would you enable us to live this life for eternity? Show us, O oh Lord, our life's end, the number of our days. Let us know how fleeting is our life and enable us, Lord Jesus, to live like we were dying knowing that when we take this last breath on planet Earth and see Jesus face to face, we want to hear him say, well done, way to go. You did it. You invested it for me. You spent it for me. Welcome home. Welcome home. And oh, God, oh, God, to hear those words, welcome home. Mm. Oh, Jesus, enable us to live for eternity. For your sake, we pray, God. For the sake of our sweet Lord Jesus. Amen.